All right, welcome back to Biased Opinion, Episode 3, NBA Finals start tonight. It's Thursday, uh, Game 1, and big preview episode coming. Let's get right into it. PJ, who are you taking in the NBA Finals and how many games? I got the Warriors in six games. I think it's it's pretty clear. I think it's going to be a competitive series. No KD, but I like the Warriors. Big reason, I think, game. Well, I'm going in six games is they got Game 6 at home. So what I see is I see... Four competitive games in the first four games, and I have Golden State winning three out of those four games. I don't know which ones they're going to win, which one they're going to lose, but they'll win three out of the four. Toronto will win one. So then it'll be Golden State 3-1 going back to Toronto game five. They'll just gift Toronto that game. They won't even really try that game. They'll just not show up. They won't want to win it on the road. Bring it back. Game six. Last game at Oracle. Steph and Clay go off. I think Warriors... Six games, close it out at home, and kind of gift Toronto game five after winning three out of four competitive games. All right, fair argument, but I'm actually disagree with you. Big bold predictions coming. I'm taking Drake and the Raptors and Kawhi in seven games over the Warriors to win this series. I got a couple of big stats coming up. Uh, first of all, nobody on the Warriors has an answer for Kawhi. The Warriors have no chance of guarding Kawhi. In this series, Dr- Draymond Green, the last three seasons, the only guy on the Warriors to even stand a chance against him. He's the only guy to actually slow him down. Durant, who might not even play, he's out the first two games, has been pretty bad against him, especially this year when they played. They played. They only played against each other once. Iguodala's never really had an answer for him. Clay's never been great against him, but Draymond Green has been the only guy to slow him down. But if you if you're the Raptors, if you're the Warriors and you put Draymond on Kawhi then you have no answer for Siakam and Gasol down low. So I just don't see how the, war- the Warriors are going to be able to guard Kawhi. So Kawhi's going to go off. That's a given. Also, Durant out the first two games in Toronto, who's been 40-11 and 11 overall postseason and regular season at home this year. Don't see them losing all those two games. I think they can go with 2-0. and out. And if they go up 2-0, and out, I don't see them losing this series. Kawhi shuts them down. Kawhi's not going to get rattled by the moment. He's a finals MVP. So, yeah, that's just... I just don't see the Raptors losing. Also, on the counter side, on defense, Van Vliet in his career has been maybe the best player in the league against guarding Steph Curry. Earlier this season when they played, Van Vliet allowed 10 points per 100 possessions for Curry. That's that's pretty awful. That's like borderline, that's Terry Rozier numbers for Curry against Van Vliet. And I think Curry's one of the best players in the NBA, best shooter of all time. Van Vliet somehow, someway shuts, shuts him down. I don't know how. He's your boy. You were talking. You were hyping about the last series. Van Vliet shuts Curry down. So I think he's going to play a big role. If he, he doesn't have to shut him down, but if he can slow him down, at least, and you put Kawhi on Clay, the Warriors are pretty, pretty much relying on Draymond's offense or Iguodala's offense to carry them. And I just don't think that's going to work. I, or you're relying on Steph Curry to hit a bunch of contested threes, which obviously he's shown he can make, but you can't rely on that in a seven-game series when you're going up against Kawhi, who might be dropping 40 a game. I do think it's interesting that this is the first NBA Finals where Golden State hasn't had home court advantage. So that'll be that'll be a new twist because look, the last couple of Finals they've just gone up 2-0 and the series has pretty much been over after the first two games. And this is the first NBA Finals where I think when they when they're on the road they're actually going to have like a a crowd that's going to Cleveland Cleveland doesn't have a crowd. Come on, Cleveland Cleveland sports are a joke. All right, that's fair. I think uh, the Raptors were two and zero against Golden State this year. Yep. Usually that works against the team. You're not beating Golden State six times in one season. I think if the Rockets like 10-0 in the last four years in the regular season at home against the Warriors or something, 
and they always lose in the playoffs. So I, yeah. I don't think regular season record matters, and beating the Warriors six times in one year is going to be tough. The Raptors' big advantage they have is on defense. Uh, they've got a lot of guys with length who can guard multiple positions at once. The only thing is the Warriors can kind of hit contested shots, and I don't really think defense matters when you play the Warriors if they're just going to drain shots. But the thing is you can't. If the Warriors are relying on contested shots, but the Raptors are relying on Kawhi to beat Iguodala one-on-one, I think Kawhi's just a way better, higher-percentage player than that, in my opinion. The Warriors aren't going to let the war- one player the Warriors, the Warriors are living and dying by contested three-pointers. And obviously, they're the best ever. Best ever team at that. But they're going to be living and dying by contested three-pointers and Draymond down low. Yeah, but it's not like the Raptors are this offensive juggernaut. They've only scored like 100. They're, they average 105 points per game in the playoffs. So you that's not going to be enough to beat the Warriors. You need to get into the 115, 120 range. The, the Raptors the Raptors are the Raptors are efficient on offense. They have the lowest turnover rate in the playoffs. Would be the lowest in the NBA this season. 12% of possessions they turn it over. Kawhi one-on-one, he's one of the best one-on-one players in the game, especially in the playoffs. This playoffs, one-on-one, nobody's been able to guard him. I don't think Iguodala's going to be able to shut him down when he's like 35. Draymond could, but like I said, if you put Draymond on him, then you're relying on Boogie Cousins to defend. Put one leg Boogie Cousins to defend Pascal Siakam in the post, or Marcus Hall in the post. Also your boy. I think the Raptors have a big matchup and big mismatches for the Warriors. The Warriors, Steve Kerr needs to do a hell of a coaching job if he wants to. I think Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr is an underrated coach, though. You can't win four championships without having a good coach. He's a good coach, but he's never. This he's got some matchup issues, especially if Durant can't play. Because you could put if you have Durant, then Durant's gonna be able to get like he's gonna occupy Kawhi. But if you don't have Durant, then Kawhi can shut down Clay. Van Vliet can obviously slow down Curry, he's proven, the last three years. 21 points per 100 possessions since 2016, so it's not just a fluke just this year. Van Vliet has historically been very good against Curry. Yeah, well, Van Vliet's not even going to start the game. Van Vliet's a role guy coming off the bench. Yeah, but how many minutes did he play last game? Decent- he's been, he was like maybe he was their second-best player the last three games. He's going to play a lot of minutes. It doesn't matter if he comes off the bench. Curry will get some points at the beginning of the game. Van Vliet comes in, he'll slow them down. Kawhi hasn't gotten a consistent number two score. Siakam's had a couple good games, and then he has a couple bad games. Van Fleet's had a couple nasty games, and then he's kind of missing threes the next game. Because Siak- Siakam, was, Siakam was playing against teams that can actually defend in the post. Siakam was getting forced to shoot threes against Milwaukee. The Warriors can't guard the post. I don't think JaVale McGee or whoever. That, he's on the Lakers. Who do they even have in the post other than Boogie Cousins? Looney? Lo- Looney's Bogut? Not, Bogut can't even move anymore. Bogut's... Bogut's running one mile an hour up and down the court. I'm not worried about Bogut. I don't think that guy can play more than 20 minutes in a game without falling apart. And Boogie Cousins is on one leg, and he wasn't even that good this season when he was healthy. I think it's interesting that the Raptors are the betting, betting favorite for game one. It originally started at Golden State, and everyone started putting money on Drake. Now they're the favorite. Drake, Drake gets in people's heads. Although the NBA actually sent out a... Uh, they apparently called the Raptors today to tell Drake to calm down. I don't think Drake's calming down. I don't think Drake can calm down. He's a... If Drake's getting in the other team, the Bucks coach was rattled by Drake. The, if your coach, if you're, if you have a fan that can get in the coach's head, that's that's worrisome for the other team. But do you really think that the Warriors, four time, five time champs, three time champs, whatever they are, gonna Kevin be Durant rattled gets by rattled. Drake, Kevin by Durant Drake? gets rattled by Twitter all the time. Kevin Durant gets rattled by twelve year olds on Twitter. Not in the basketball court. In the basketball court, he would eat up the twelve year olds. I don't know. He couldn't do it in OKC. Kevin Durant. The Warriors have a all right. I think the Warriors have a bigger margin forever. If for error, if Steph struggles, he still has Clay, still has Draymond. So I'll give you that. But the Raptors just 
they're just a ma- like I just the matchups point to the Raptors being the favorite and the home court advantage. They've been unreal at home this year, and their fans the fans are electric in Toronto. They want a championship bad. Canada want all of Canada wants a championship bad. Canada hasn't won a championship since nineteen ninety three. That was in the MLB. They want to. They want to. I mean, I mean, I know they'd all rather have the Maple Leafs win, but Canada wants a championship. Toronto wants a championship. Drake wants a championship. That's a big home court advantage. Who you got for your Finals MVP? Kawhi, obviously. Kawhi. Nobody's guarding Kawhi in this series. Maybe Draymond, but like I said, the Warriors can't do that for too long. And if you guard, if Draymond's on Kawhi the whole game, he's gonna run into foul trouble eventually. Kawhi goes ISO. You have to follow him. I think uh, I'll take Curry as my Finals MVP. I I don't hate that. I love I love Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is awesome. I think he's great for the game. I think he's an unbelievable player. Almost unguardable, unless it's Fred Van Vliet, obviously. But <laughs> I think, I don't know, Warriors in seven. Drake in seven. It's going to be a close one. <laughs> we'll see. How about the rest? you think the rest will affect the Warriors? They haven't played in like nine days. The rest? Eh, rest doesn't matter. In the NBA. Eh. I'm not too worried about the rest. I mean, I don't think they're going to win game one anyway. Or game two. No Durant. DeMarcus Cousins is going to play, but he's on one. Like, like he says he's fine. He says no pain, but... The guy came off an Achilles tier last year, and he... I don't think DeMarcus Cousins is going to play great. We'll see. I'm, I'll be rooting for uh, for the Raptors, but... And 48... Or 47, I think, out of the 50 states in the poll that I saw on TV wanted the Raptors to win it all. So. They're America's team. They're Canada's team. We'll Everyone see. wants the Raptors. But I have uh, Golden State closing out this dynasty in Oracle with I think this is their last championship? In Game 6. Eh, we'll see what happens. Possibly. You also got to think about if Katie does Katie really care about this team. There's been reports all see where there's smoke, there's fire. It's always Katie in New York, Katie in New York. If Katie really cared, I think he'd be back. Well, the Warriors have been playing fine without him. They have been. They're probably they're they're more fun to watch without him. That's that's true. But I don't know. I have faith in Drake. I have faith in the Raptors. Nobody nobody on the Warriors is guarding Kawhi. For the entire game. For a full seven game series. And yeah. Putting a lot of my faith in Fred Van Vliet. But Raptors in seven. Warriors in six. Alright. Let's talk about the hockey game last night. So last night. Game two. Bruins Blues in Boston. Disappointing loss for the Bruins. Blues went 3-2 in overtime. And honestly. I think we all got ahead of ourselves after game one. Especially I did. I really. Deep down in my gut. Thought we might have a chance at a sweep. It was just a ridiculously dominant win in Game 1. And then it was pretty much a very... I thought it was a very similar game, but roles reversed in Game 2. Bruins got lucky Bennington played out an awful first period because I don't, they might have gotten shut out if it wasn't for that. Um, Rask played... I thought Rask played great, but... Uh, it was... Nordstrom played great, but other than that, the first line was awful. I don't know. What do you have to say about this loss? I, I agree that uh, we did get ahead of ourselves uh, after Game 1, thinking it would be a little too easy. Uh, I thought originally that they would split the first two games and then the next two games. But then I, on episode two of the Bias Penny podcast, I had the Bruins winning game two to make it 2-0. Um, so I think we got high on the Bruins. Too high after one game. I don't think we should get too low after this yeah. game. I mean, I, yeah. But it was it was pretty pathetic, that game. It was bad. First line in the two games is minus nine if you don't count the empty net goal in game one. That's that's terrible. You can't it's minus nine combined. Minus it's, nine for the first two games. So the first two games, Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand, not counting the Nicole, or minus nine combined. 
That's awful. Yeah, it's embarrassing. And Marshawn's been at fault for like two goals. And then yesterday, the defensive play that he made was terrible. Just and leaving Char on an island. Marshawn is Marshawn was by far the worst player on the ice last night. I thought he was atrocious. That was might that might, he's not had a great playoff. Although he's he's like leading the team in points. These players somehow, some way. I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but he that was his worst game in the playoffs. Maybe worst game of the season. He was awful last night. But I'm also at the same time. I'm still. I still have hope that the Bruins' first line is gonna show up. They were they weren't awful at the end of the last few series. Like last series, at the end of the series, they, I mean, or against Blue Jackets, they started to do good against the Blue Jackets at the end, and then Carolina, everyone was playing well. Was, that was a joke of a series, but I don't know. The Bruins, the first and second line need to show up. The third line and the fourth line can't carry you forever. Sean Corrali, Joakim Nordstrom, Noah Chari is looking like. My dad called them the Con Smythe line, actually, and I like that nickname a lot. That's like they're carrying the team right now. Coyle and Johansson are carrying the team right now. The rest of the team has been below average at best. The rest of the forwards, it's I don't know. In in the losses that the Bruins have had this playoffs, they've been incredibly bad. Like they don't lose like close games where they've given full effort or they've been unlucky not to win. In the games that they've lost, they've typically deserved to lose those games. And then the next yeah. game, they've kind of come out and. Played completely yeah, no, differently. They've, they've definitely bounced back well. They're battle tested, ridiculous amounts of experience on this team. So I'm not that worried about game three. But that last night, especially in overtime, that was one of the worst overtimes I've ever watched. It looked like seven on three. <laughs> the it was terrible. Yeah, the Bruins were just slapping the puck around. I mean, Carlo and Crew could barely skate by the end of that. They they were dead. They were done. I'm not sure how many passes we made to a Bruins stick. Not many. That was that overtime was atrocious. Krug. At the end of that overtime, was standing still like five feet to the left in the net. No, no Blues player anywhere near him. Just standing still. I think he took one stride in the last minute of that overtime, and he moved. It was that was bad for him. Bad overtime by Krug. Carlo couldn't even. Carlo was done. He was gassed. The forwards couldn't get the puck out. It was horrible, horrible overtime. It was. And then Gunnarsson. That guy has a shot. That was. He's a sniper. I don't even. I don't know who this guy is. And all of a sudden, he's. He could have ended the game. Could have ended the game in the third period. Yeah. Hit the post. Was... I don't know. Stats really don't mean a whole heck of a lot when you say Marshawn has the most points in our team. He's been bottom six forward this playoffs, and then also the power plays. It's terrible. I know they scored a goal. I mean, that really wasn't because of the power play. You could score that goal in any situation. Just go down the left side and pass it to the middle, shoot and score. But the power plays, it's been awful. They need to simplify their game more, shoot more. It's a pass less. They can barely enter the zone, and when they do, it's... The zone entries are terrible. Keep it simple. Chip it in and get they can't, they can't four get guys the zone, on it. But the when they team. do get into the zone, it's they pass it around for a few seconds. Marshawn tries a saucer pass through six, through five blues or four blues, whatever. Turnover. Breakaway. Krugel shoot, shoot and uh, miss it on the far side. It'll come out of the zone. I think I saw a stat last night. The Bruins had like three shots on net. In their four power plants last night, and during that same time, the Blues also had three shots on net when they were shorthanded. So yeah, it was brutal. Tuka kept us in that game. That was it. Was overall not. It was one of the. It was disappointing. Disappointing performance for the Bruins. But the stats will say that the Bruins power play played amazing this playoffs. I haven't seen it. I think there's been countless terrible power plays. Carolina series will also inflate the stats. Uh, but I think in games where the Bruins have needed their power play the most, though, Game Six, Toronto. Game four, Columbus, it showed up. So we'll see. In games three or four, if the power play continues to suck, 
the Bruins won't win if any of those games, but if the power play delivers with a goal or two at the right time, the Bruins should be able to get out of game three and four with a yeah, win in of those games. I'm confident for the next few games because Tuca didn't have a great game one, but then t- last night he was... I mean, he bounced back. He He's back to what he's been doing all playoffs, I think. He got so. plenty of shots. Yes, he plenty of work. He was... Yeah, he was... So I think that's a good sign for moving forward. I think Tuca... Because, I mean, after game one, you think about it, you worry that maybe he's rattled, maybe he's not going to be what he was the rest of the playoffs. But after last night, I think he he's still going to be performing also, at his top level. Bruins got to get more shots on Bennington. Game one, I don't remember Tuca making a whole lot of saves. And yesterday, apart from, like, Pasternak in the last 50 seconds with, like, a shoulder, a block, or whatever it was, I don't remember Bennington making that many saves last night. No, Bennington didn't, didn't get much times. work last night. The, the offense was stagnant. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Also, uh, Mac Rizek got hurt in the first period. Yep. Sunquist kind of hit him from behind. I guess Sunquist has a hearing. Uh, as we are filming or filming or recording this podcast, so I don't know. He could get suspended for a game or not. It's not out yet. What do you think about? Um, I don't. I don't think he was. In, I don't think it was an intentional dirty hit, but it looked really bad, especially at first. Like Grizzly had his back turned, elbow to the head, or shoulder to the head, whatever it was, but. When you look at the replay, Grizzly kind of fell. Yeah, it when, wasn't... He got, when he got into the, when he hit the boards, he kind of slipped, and then he so he kind of shifted weird position, and then he got the elbow to the head. So I don't know if you can. He might get suspended just based off like I don't know the rules, like precedent that's been set. Yeah, it's pretty hard, but it's a weird situation. But I don't know. I don't think it was a dirty play by him. I don't think it was intentional. Yeah, it wasn't the worst hit I've ever seen. He he didn't leave his feet or anything, so I yeah. wouldn't suspend him. We'll see. But I think Grizzly's also. I think I mean Grizzly's not a. You don't want to lose Grizzly for game three and four, maybe. Yeah, I think he is, he's out for game three and four. Um, he didn't travel with the team. Yeah, uh, Cassidy said today he's listed as day-to-day, but he didn't travel. No. So I'm assuming he's out for the next two games. Um, that's a tough loss. I don't know who would either be Camper or uh, Moore. Moore, but, I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Moore. I don't know. I think Grizzly's an underrated loss. He's been great. He's been great for us these playoffs, and... He's a he's a decent third D pairing guy. He's a great third D pairing guy. Yeah, he's one of the best third D pairing guys in the playoffs I've seen. I think. So, what are you thinking for games three and four? We won't be back on the pod until Tuesday. So, prediction for game three and four? Uh, I think Bruins will bounce back as they've shown they have, as they've shown they can throughout the entire playoffs. So, I'll take Bruins in game four or game three, sorry, and uh, game four. I'll take. I don't know. Hard to predict two games ahead, but I'm taking Bruins game three. I don't know about game four yet. We have to see game three first. How about you? I'm going to say that the Bruins will win one of those and lose one. I'm not sure which one. I think if they win game three, they'll lose game four. If they lose game three, they'll win game four. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So moving on to the Champions League final uh, between Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur. Should be played Saturday, 3 o'clock in Madrid. Um, I think... Both teams getting to the final with comeback wins. Liverpool lost 3 nothing in the first leg against Barcelona. Turned it around, won 4 nothing in the second leg. And then Tottenham were down 3 nothing after the first three halves, I guess, against Ajax. And in the second half of the second leg, beating Ajax 3 nothing in Amsterdam. So both two kind of fairy tale stories to get to the final. I think the big talking point for a Tottenham point of view going into this game is will Harry Kane play? He just started training last week, but he hasn't played since April 9th so with an ankle injury. So it's not like a hamstring injury where he could pull muscle or anything. So the ankle's all healed, but how fit really is he remains to be seen. Whether Tottenham should time. actually... Tottenham, it's, a, 
Tottenham got to this point without him. Tottenham got to this point without him. They haven't played all that well in the Premier League without him, though, so it's not like they're better without Harry Kane. Liverpool finished second in the Premier League with 97 points. Tottenham fourth with 70 points. Liverpool won both games 2-1 this season. I don't really think that matters. The difference between the two teams isn't the 27 points that the league table shows. I would say Liverpool are a better team on paper, but I would say Tottenham, probably four of their players get into Liverpool's starting 11. Um, Both teams' benches aren't really that great, but if Harry Kane comes off the bench, that could be a big part in the game. Overall, I'm going to go with Liverpool, 2-0 win. I think they're more ready for this moment. Last year, they they had an experience in the Champions League final losing to Real Madrid. In a close game, 3-1, to one, that their goalkeeper kind of blew for them. Tottenham don't really seem ready for this. Tottenham winning the Champions League would just doesn't seem right. It would be weird. Yeah. Pochettino has done a great job to get to this point, but Spurs are kind of... They're not as far along in their process as Liverpool are. Liverpool are more the finished article than Spurs. So with the experience, I think Liverpool more... Well-rounded team. I'm going to go Liverpool to win 2-0. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Uh, Liverpool, my big thing about Liverpool is last year, Salah goes out about a half hour into the game. Got absolutely screwed. Cheap shot by uh, Sergio, Ramos. Sergio Ramos. Yeah, that was dirty player, dirty play. I think Salah is going to come back with vengeance. I think he's going to unfinished business here. Coming off back-to-back golden boots in the Premier League. Huge season for them. They were, they were also robbed of a Premier League title this year. The one year that anyone could beat someone with ninety seven points that I don't I think I think Liverpool has been screwed out of a lot lately and I think this is their chance to actually win something that they won't get screwed out of and I don't know, I think they're just gonna finish the job. Unfinished business in the Premier League and last year's Championship League and Champions League and yeah, Mosala. Three three nil. Three nil prediction. Nil? That's my prediction. Mosala, how many goals? Hattrick. Mosala Hattrick. Yeah, that's my bold prediction. I'm going to say Sadio Mane scores both goals for Liverpool. I, I like the Mosala pick there. He Liverpool were done once he came out of the game. He came out of the game in tears. His World Cup was basically over. He played World Cup on like one shoulder. He was robbed. So he's... Egypt was screwed too. Uh, you make a good point about the Premier League this year. Liverpool, how, how they didn't win the league, I'm not sure. Man City, a point better, I guess. They were like a video game. So Liverpool kind of, it seems like they deserve a trophy more this season than Spurs do. Jurgen Klopp has brought them pretty close to a trophy. They lost the Europa League final a couple years ago. They lost the EFL Cup final a couple years ago. So they've lost three finals with Jurgen Klopp. They just, they seem due for a big trophy. They have more pedigree at this stage too. They've won the Champions League five times in their history. Tottenham haven't. So I think a Champions League trophy for Liverpool would really set them onto a new level that they're trying to get to. Yeah, I'm all in on Liverpool. 3-0. 3-0, all right. We'll see. 3-0 for you, 2-0 for me. So, Not too much disagreement there. Yeah. So recently received our first ever voicemail into the podcast from a fan. Uh, the comments seem directed at Seamus. So we will yeah. uh, take a listen to this voice message. Yeah, I'm calling in response to some of the points made in the second podcast. Uh, number one, uh, the Greek Freak. Uh, the Greek Freak is a great player, but he's a Greek... He's a great player a la the 80s and the 90s when post-up players were great. Uh, sort of like Patrick Ewing and Akeem Olajuwon. To be a great player in today's NBA, you need to be able to shoot trees. You need to be able to defend. You need to be able to create your own offense in all parts of the court. 
Greek Freak can obviously only do that down low, and he's only ever going to win if he surrounds himself by guys that can shoot threes. So to call him one of the best players in the league and the MVP is definitely a fallacy. Point number two, Puig. Puig is awful. He has a 658 OPS, which is the 10th best on the Cincinnati Reds, which is a below 500 team. The Dodgers' best move they made in the offseason was getting rid of Puig. He was a complete cancer. I don't care if he looks sexy in his uniform and you think he's good for L.A. He's an awful baseball player, and the Dodgers are where they are because they got rid of that cancer out of their locker room. All right, so I just want to respond quickly about uh, to uh, the comments made about Giannis and Yazel Puig and uh, the counterpoints the caller had to what I said about them. First of all, Giannis, he obviously is not a great shooter. But I don't think that you can say that he can't create his own offense, and I don't think you can say that he can't shoot at all. Compare it like you can compare it to a guy like Ben Simmons, who I don't think he's ever even attempted a three in his career. Giannis, the last three games, he shot five from eleven from three combined. Watch, so clearly his inability to shoot three pointers wasn't really why they lost. It was more his teammates' inability to shoot three pointers, um, which does add into your argument that he needs to be surrounded by shooters to win to win games. But LeBron also needs to be surrounded by shooters to win games. And LeBron is arguably the greatest player of this generation. And when LeBron doesn't have shooters around him, he's not going to win games. So just because he needs shooters around him, that's just his style of game. That's the way he plays. Um, that I don't think that should take away what he brings to the table. Also, the argument that he can't create his own offense, uh, just because he doesn't jack up contested mid-rangers and contested threes like James Harden, doesn't mean he can't create his own offense. He scores most of his points off driving to the hoop one-on-one. And I think that's his own way of creating his own offense. And he's he's virtually unguardable in those. You have to follow him. And when he hits his free throws, which he does 73% of the time, um, I know he struggled with that uh, in the Raptors series, but I don't think he's going to be shooting 5 for 18 from the, uh, from the free throw line next year as he gains more playoff experience, as he gets more comfortable in the playoffs carrying his own team. Lastly, uh, in these playoffs, he shot 36% on pull-up three-pointers. So saying that the Greek freak can't shoot um, is, I think, is a false statement. He obviously he's not Steph Curry, he's not Clay Thompson, he's not going to hit contested three pointers. He's not going to, he's not a catch and shoot guy, but he doesn't need to be that. I don't think. And also, uh, you look at guys like Blake Griffin, Brooke Lopez, who, for like the first majority of their careers, couldn't, careers couldn't shoot at all, and then the last two years they've worked with shooting coaches and developed a three point shot. So I know we're talking about this season and this season only, but. To anyone that says Greek Freak's never going to be able to shoot, I think that's a pretty bad argument you can make because many players have shown that even really late in their careers, they can develop a great three-point shot. So I'm not too worried about Greek Freak. I still think he's an MVP player. He's seven feet tall, fastest guy in the league, jump higher than anyone else in the league, stronger than anyone who can guard him, really. Um, and he's obviously, he has skills like a point guard. He averages like six points per game, six assists per game as a seven-footer, so... I just think that calling Giannis non-MVP because he needs to be surrounded by shooters is a weak argument. And on to Puig real quick. Uh, I never was making the argument that he's a good player or a player you win with. I'm making the argument that uh, you need guys like Puig to grow the game of baseball. 50% of the MLB's viewers are age 55 or older. And just 10 years ago, only 9% of the league's viewers were 55 or older. So basically one generation is single-handedly carrying the MLB's ratings as a successful uh, sporting league and once this generation dies out of 55 or older people then the MLB could be screwed and also you look at Little League uh, 
Little League, there's the people are participating in youth baseball way less. And when you got guys like exciting players, which there aren't many of in the MLB nowadays, because it's very the people who run the MLB don't like guys who showboat, but showboaters carried the NBA and the NFLs the uh great ratings. That's why those two leagues are the two best, two most popular leagues in sports. And the MLB just doesn't allow that at all. And when you have a guy like Yazel Puig in Cincinnati, where nobody's ever going to watch this guy, nobody's ever going to watch Puig. Nobody watches the Cincinnati Reds. So I think that just hurts the MLB. And that's the argument I was going to get. I don't think. I never thought. I said in my uh, in the last episode that they're obviously never going to win with Yazel Puig on their team. He's not a winner. But you need guys like Puig in big markets. So sending him to Cincinnati, didn't like that very much. And yeah, that's all I have to say. All right, back for our third bias bonus of our podcast history. Yeah. Seamus, for the first two, your 8 and 12 overall record with the 4 and 6 record last week. I'm 11 and 9 with 6 and 4 record last week, so. I'm slacking. Yeah. Step it up. We can both get better. All right. Number one, over under 1.5 wins for the Red Sox at the Yankees. It's a four game series. Uh, I'm taking the under. Red Sox need a closer. I'm taking the over. Uh, Red Sox have their best pitchers going. Yankees, and eh. Red Sox are 22-12 and 12 since they last played the Yankees, so they're they're playing better than when they lost twice to the Yankees earlier this year. All right, will a goal be scored in the first half of the Champions League final? Uh, I'm going yes. It's a lot barred out. I'm going to go no. Um, I think it's going to be tight first half. Higher total for game one. Warriors three-pointers made or Fred Van Fleet points? Um... I think Fred's going to be too busy locking up Steph Curry on defense, so I'll take Warriors three-pointers. I'm going to go Fred Van Fleet. He's been on a hot streak the last three games. I love Fred. I'm going Fred. And the Warriors are going to be rusty. Haven't played in nine days. Their shooting's going to be off game one. All right, higher total in games one and two. Draymond Green, rebounds, or Kawhi Leonard, field goals made? I'll take Kawhi. I'll go, I'll go Draymond. There's going to be too much on Kawhi's shoulders. All right, higher finish at Pocono. We have a NASCAR debut into the podcast. <laughs> Kyle Busch or Jimmy Johnson? Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champ. Can't pick against a seven-time champ. I'm going to pick against a seven-time champ because Kyle Busch is number one in the NASCAR standings 2019. He's a legend of the game. Jimmy's got not enough gas left in the tank, I don't think. All right, higher total. Red Sox hits versus the Yankees in all four games or Clay Thompson's points in game one? Um, I'll take... Uh... I'm thinking I'll take Clay just because, I don't know, Clay will be jacking up threes. I'll take Clay. I'll go I'll go Red Sox hits. Average average nine hits a game. They only had had eleven hits in two games versus the Yankees this year, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go Red Sox hits. It may be a good game for the Red Sox, I think. Uh cut down the division lead. Alright. Will the Bruins defenseman score a goal in games three or four? Uh yes. I'm gonna go no. You go no? No. Uh, I think I bet you Mac will score a goal. All right. Um, three more left. Higher finish at the Memorial for the golf. Ricky Fowler or Hideki Matsuyama? Um, I'll take Ricky because I don't know how to say the other guy's name. <laughs> it's Hideki Matsuyama from Japan. He's he's been pretty consistent this year. I'll I'll go Ricky as well. He was cut last week. Can get bounced back this week. All right. Higher total. Phil Mickelson's pars in rounds three and four. Or Patrice Bergeron's face-off wins in game three and four. 
Um, I'll take Mickelson just because the refs keep throwing Bergeron on a face-offs for no reason. So, like, Bergeron to me, it's screwed by the refs, get thrown on too many face-offs. I'll take Mickelson. I'll go, I'll go Bergeron face-off wins. He had 14 of them in game one, only five game two, but Phil kind of hits the ball all over the course. Pars aren't really his thing, so I'm going to go Bergeron. All right, last one. Kind of pre, uh, mirrored our World Series discussion yesterday. Over under zero point five wins for the Phillies at the Dodgers in the three game series starting Friday. Um, I'm taking over, all over obviously. Phillies are my team. JT Realmuto. I'm going Dodgers. Dodgers sweep. Came back yesterday. Scored four runs in the ninth to beat the Mets. Dodgers sweep. Showing their World Series credentials. Don't think that's gonna happen. All right, uh, that's a good segment of bias bonus, and uh, that's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at biased underscore underscore opinion, two underscores. And we're available on all platforms now, including Apple Podcasts. So uh, subscribe to us there and give us a five-star rating because that helps us out. And uh, we're also available on Spotify and, yeah, pretty much everything else. We'll tweet out the links. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a big episode.